the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is, and welcome back. Tuesday, February 1st, 2022, coming to you live from the Guns Etc. studios. I think we are beginning to see the receipts of something I've long lamented. The ongoing and continuing vitiation, watering down of evil, defining iniquity down, we might call it. Barry Goldwater's convention in 1964 had Mein Kampf as their Bible, said the San Francisco Examiner and other national columnists. An entire magazine dedicated itself to a cover story of mental health experts claiming Goldwater was mentally unfit to hold the office of the presidency. Anyone remember the phrase Bush-Hitler? In 1980, Jimmy Carter said Ronald Reagan injected racism into his campaign. Here's a headline from 1985. Congressional Black Caucus calls Reagan racist. Donald Trump was a fascist, a tyrant, a Nazi. And CNN saw fit to broadcast a professor, said he was worse than Hitler. So to the progressives, to the disoriented, Hitler was the benchmark of evil, to be sure. And Goldwater, Reagan, Bush and Trump were the analogs. Nobody could count the number of protests calling Republican presidents variations of Hitler, Nazi, or fascist because nobody can count that high. It's nothing new. What's new is the permission, the sanction it's been given by leaders of the Democratic Party and the media. Jamie Harrison, chairman of the DNC, said on national television only three months ago, quote, the Republican Party has become a party of fascism and fear, close quote. The whole party. Think about the fascism, the curtailment of civil liberties, the suspension of habeas corpus, and, of course, the fear. Think about all those Republicans from Anthony Fauci to governors like Cuomo and Whitmer and Newsom who implanted fear in the population over the coronavirus, overseeing the seizures of property and travel. That sounds a little bit more like fascism than anything the Republicans were talking about. But it's almost as if the words have totally lost their meaning. But as I've warned, there is something terribly dangerous about all these inapt analogies, and that danger is the elevating, in some ways, sanctifying of Hitler and Nazism. Consider if Donald Trump or George Bush or Ronald Reagan were akin to or worse than Hitler, you must think as a 15-year-old or a 35-year-old Jew living in, the Ameri- living in the America when Trump or Bush or Reagan was president, you must think, well, Hitler couldn't have been that bad, right? I mean, what did Hitler do to the Jews? He put them in ovens, right? Trump is like that? Reagan? Goldwater? Not quite. Trump has Jewish children and grandchildren. Goldwater himself would have been likely killed in Nazi Germany. And Reagan was one of the great friends of the Jewish people in Israel, as was Donald Trump. But all that is worse than Hitler, smart people told us on smart networks. So really, either we don't know what Reagan and Goldwater and Trump and Bush were up to, or Hitler couldn't have been that bad. I often put it this way. There are over six million families that would have volunteered their eye teeth to live under a Reagan or Trump in the 1930s in Germany or Poland or really anywhere. 
So thank the left for destroying the benchmark of evil in our time, for sanitizing it, for making it less evil, and for destroying all the norms and equilibriums. It can only be accomplished through junk thought, and few could represent junk thought as well as Whoopi Goldberg did yesterday. After saying the Holocaust was not about race or white supremacy, she doubled down later in the day on Stephen Colbert's show. Her statement when asked what the Holocaust was about, she said, was man's inhumanity toward man. Oh, is that all that was meant then when Donald Trump was repeatedly compared to Hitler? Not that he was a racist or a bigot or a white supremacist, but just simply showing inhumanity to man? Now then, the reason we know that doesn't work is we have to ask, who was he inhuman to? As Patrice Onwuka wrote, minorities experienced the largest income gains under Donald Trump. Real median income grew by 7.9% for blacks in 2019. That outpaced 2018's income growth of 2.6%. Notably, black medium income growth in 2019 beat the income growth rates under the Obama administration. Not only did the poverty rate for blacks fall to an all-time record low in 2019, but it also dipped below 20% for the first time. At the other end of the economic scale, more black households earned six-figure incomes than the year before. Women-owned businesses also surged, adding more than 1,800 new businesses each day in 2017 and 2018, well outpacing the rate under Barack Obama. Remarkably, firms owned by women of color grew at double the rate of women overall. Not bad for a man as bad as or worse than Hitler, no, right? Not if we're talking about inhumanity, man's inhumanity towards fellow man. And the Jews under Trump? Rather than working with the Muslim Mufti of Jerusalem in the 1930s in order to help slaughter the Jewish population there, as Hitler did, Donald Trump moved the U.S. Embassy to Jerusalem and recognized more and more of Israel's territory. Man's inhumanity toward man, Jewish men, Jewish women, black men, black women, white women, you name it. If any of this is inhumanity, I don't want to live in Whoopi Goldberg's world of humanity. So the, was the left joking about all this, never quite meaning Trump and his Republican predecessors were racists? Or do they just not want us to know history as they collapse all moral and physical categories? Look what they've done in attenuating nouns like Nazi, fascist, and Hitler. They've taken the Hitler out of Hitler, for he's no longer a white supremacist, you see. And they've situated him in a Republican businessman from New York who was given the Tree of Life Award from the Jewish National Fund. Or do they simply not know what the hell they are talking about? Whoopi Goldberg tried very hard yesterday, I have no idea why, to reify her definition of race and racism in order to make Hitler not seem or appear a racist, to deprive the nay plus ultra and bunch mark of all white supremacy a non-racist and non-white supremacist. Maybe in her mind... Trump is a white supremacist, but Hitler is not. Maybe Trump was a racist, but Hitler was not. That's what she was saying with her contorted concept of racism. Contorted because there are literally hundreds of references to Jews as a race in Mein Kampf. I read some of them yesterday. Here's but one sample from Hitler's magnum opus. Quote, the cultural superiority disappears when a superior race intermixes with an inferior one, even though the resultant Mongol race should excel a thousandfold in speaking the language of the race that once had been superior. 
The state's job is to protect the race, close quote. What race? The Aryan race, whoopee. The inferior race? The Jewish people or race according to Hitler, whoopee. Now, Whoopi Goldberg seeming to think she has discovered a novel addition and contribution to the scholarship of ideology or the Holocaust decided to double down between her statements on The View in the morning and her interview with Stephen Colbert later yesterday evening. She decided it would be a new and innovative and strikingly defensible thing to say, quote, this wasn't based on skin. You couldn't tell a Jew by how he looked, close quote. Oh, I suppose Whoopi Goldberg has never seen one piece of Hitler's Nazi propaganda, which decidedly tried to do just that, exactly that. Not only in the verbiage about the faces and the hair and my apologies, but yes, the smell and stench of Jews, but in posters, cartoons, emblems they were forced to wear. And of course, the propaganda films. Take, for example, one of Hitler's favorite propaganda films. It was called The Eternal Jew. Its most popular moment was scenes of millions of swarming rats followed by scenes of Hasidic Jews spliced back and forth, back and forth, back and forth so that the Jew would be seen as the rat and the rat would be seen as the Jew. The disgust for one was to be converted into the disgust for the other. Now, pause a moment and think about what is being done here, the exact and precise opposite of what natural right and natural rights tell and dictate to us under the laws of nature and nature's God, the laws that should be self-evident, but that declare we are all entitled to the same rights and privileges because of nothing more than being human, not animal, not God. In other words, under the laws of nature and nature's God, man is not God and man is not animal. Man is lower than God, but above animal. But if you can make man or certain kinds of man no different than an animal, say rats, you can do to those men, now animals, what we would naturally do to animals without a pang of conscience. Obviously, Whoopi Goldberg would be versed in the phrase of chattel slavery, you would think. Where does the word chattel come from? It's the root for cattle. You would, you could have slavery only where men were defined out of the family of human and put into the category or family of animal. Supreme Court Justice John McClain tried to get at precisely this in his dissent in the Dred Scott decision, writing, quote, A slave is not a mere chattel. He bears the impress of his maker and is amenable to the laws of God and man, and he is destined to an endless existence, close quote. It was only by taking the black man out of the family of man that would allow the Chief Justice, Roger Taney, to declare that the slave, he called them, forgive me, Negroes, had no rights which the white man was bound to respect. This is what McLean objected to and, of course, what Lincoln objected to as well. Only by taking blacks out of the family of man, like taking Jews out of the family of man, could you do to Jews and blacks what people would naturally do to cattle and rats. Now, the odd thing about all this, the ironic thing, is Justices McLean and Taney both appealed to the history of our founding to discover or justify their theories. Today, Roger B. Taney is known as a retrograde and bigoted thinker and justice, a true racist. He saw the founding as justifying slavery, much as the rest of the Confederacy did. Who else thinks this way? 
the entirety of the left, the BLM movement, the 1619 Project, and the critical race theorists. Let it not pass understanding that the progressives use the history of the racists and bigots and confederates, those who wrote the majority in the Dred Scott case and those who justified slavery as a moral right to understand the history of America. We, I would once upon a time say Americans, but now it's harder to say that, but we take our history lessons from the dissent in Dred Scott, from the dissent in Plessy versus Ferguson, from Abraham Lincoln and Frederick Douglass and Ulysses S. Grant. But the left and their effort to justify American lowness and to elevate the narrative of universal and systemic racism here know not where their history comes from. It comes from the side that lost, and in their resurrection of those philosophies from Taney to Davis, they are resurrecting, perhaps unwittingly, the lost cause narrative of America. And Whoopi Goldberg, in order to make a point about Southern Christians who don't like the profanation of the human body in their children's schools, has resurrected the effort to sanitize Hitler and Nazism. In so doing, she makes the entire project of the left what it always was, but now puts it in sharp relief, a burlesque and mockery that should have been dismissed out of hand forever after 1865, if not after 1945. But the left still sees value in those lost causes, I guess, because they can be convenient weapons. But they are dangerous weapons, so dangerous they can blow up in your face. This is how yesterday happened. And if it happened with someone named, I don't know, Megan McCain or Joe Rogan, as opposed to someone, say, named Whoopi Goldberg, they'd have been fired already. But the left wants to fire Rogan for saying what the CDC said only four months prior to the CDC saying it. That's what bothers them, not a distortion and disservice and revision of the past, but a common sense and keen insight into the nearest of futures. And this end of day is why this conservative's whole project has been to establish our movement around the doctrine of individual rights based on natural right and America's greatness, not its lousiness or louseness. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. I'll return to some big themes in just a moment and get to your calls in a few moments. But um, just the story real quick. It's a short segment and I have to do this because uh, no one else will. I mean Fox did it, but I, I – you know, outside of Fox, you're not going to see this. Maxine Waters, Congresswoman Maxine Waters of California, Southern California, Los Angeles. Here's the headline. Maxine Waters continues to pay daughter with campaign cash, adding up to $1.2 million so far. Waters' campaign did not immediately respond to Fox's request for comment. Um Karen Waters, daughter of Maxine Waters, has received over a million dollars in payments from her mother to her and her company, Progressive Connections, for campaign-related services. You know how this works. You uh, erect a campaign apparatus if you're running for any office. Certainly you would do so in running for Congress. Nothing wrong with that. The question becomes when people start donating money to you, how you spend 
that money. And, you know, if your child, I don't know, heck, if, <laughs> if your child is is a great movie director or producer of short clips or videographer or web person, yeah, may, maybe it makes sense. Maybe it makes sense in some respects to have them on the payroll. Maybe, maybe $1.2 million. That good in Los Angeles? Now, that's none of it really compared to the bigger issue that you need to think about, which is this. Maxine Waters routinely gets reelected with 75 percent of the vote in her general election campaigns and doesn't have concerns in a primary. Routinely, for the past forever, 70, 75, 80 percent of the vote goes to her. How important is it, do you think, that she pay her daughter with campaign funds that people donate? And by the way, if they live in Maxine Waters' district, it's not as if they are flush with cash. Maxine Waters probably has a national fundraising fundraising apparatus. I wouldn't be surprised. But I wonder how many people stop and think when they give a dollar or $5 or $10 or $25 to Maxine Waters, they know that her daughter is going to be making six and seven figures off of them for doing the job that really probably doesn't even need to be done. It's a, it's a sinecure of the, of the highest order when you think about how important it is Maxine Waters have high talent for her re-election campaign. Sure, she should. Everyone should have the best talent they can get. But when you routinely win 75, it's not like this is a split district. It's not like this is the hardest thing in the world. There are laws that our elected officials violate because they are black letter laws. And there are the laws of common sense and decency that they violate all the time that are not written in the U.S. Code or in the FEC regulations, but are pretty much written on our consciences. And invariably, you see these elected leaders not applying those laws to themselves as they are the first to jump into high outrage if someone far less powerful than they should deign to deviate from those laws. This is what Madison was talking about in Federalist 57 when he says that members of Congress only have one thing restraining them from oppressive measures, that they would make no law which would have its full operation on themselves and their friends that is different from the law they would pass or hold up for the great mass of society. I, I, I just wonder with all these conversations about money and politics and campaign finance reform, I just wonder when it's going to be that the press, the medium, and the attention turns to the actions and activities of swindlers like Maxine Waters. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. 34 past the hour brings us our culture and economy update with John Dombrowski. He is the president and founder of Grand Canyon Planning Associates. 
right here in the Valley of the Sun and based in Scottsdale. His website, GrandCanyonPlanning.com, has his own radio show right here every Saturday morning at 7 a.m., The Word on Wealth. John, how are you today? Fantastic, Seth. Thank you. You betcha. You betcha. What is The Word on Wealth today? Talk to me. We just finished the month of January. How would you assess the beginning of the year when it comes to the stock market and Talk to me about the reality for people who, you know, the average the average guy on the street with the 401k. Okay. Well, that's a great, great question. So here's, it's interesting, right, because we've just been through probably one of the worst months uh, that we've seen in a number of years, the month of January. Mm-hmm. We saw a major pullback. It's all uh, predicated on the possibility or most likely uh, the case that the Fed will be raising interest rates, which is kind of spooking the market a little bit, along with the fears of uh, Russia maybe uh, invading. Um, you know, and if that's the case, then we're going to probably see a little bit of uh, more volatility along the ways. But um, it was interesting. I did a little bit of research on this, and I'm going to talk about this on my show this Saturday uh, on the Word on Wealth. Um, but we look at the Dow Jones Industrial Average, uh, the NASDAQ, the S&P 500, these are the major indexes that we follow. And when we, when we see the movement in these indexes, it, it, we either see green, right, when the market's going up, or we see red when the market's pulling back. Yep. Well, for the first three weeks of, of the year in January, we saw some pretty major pullbacks in the, in the indexes. Uh, the Dow Jones went from 36,368 down to 33,274. Uh, that's uh, a you know, pulling back over 3,000 points on the Dow. Uh, and that was all in the three-week period of time, the first three weeks of January. But in the last week of January, it recovered more than half of that fall okay. uh, and really only closed down about 3.5% for the month of January. Okay. So not bad if you think about the market was up probably about 20% last year. So it's still so, a net up. Still the net up, yeah, yeah. like seventeen percent or so. Yeah. yeah. Now the Nasdaq, a little different story. We saw a lot of volatility in the Nasdaq, and we saw a pullback in the Nasdaq of about sixteen percent. Now that, of course, reached into correction territory. Uh, but when it was all said and done, at the end of the uh, month, it was down nine point five percent. So a lot more volatility, a lot more of a loss. But again, the uh, Nasdaq was up much higher over the course of the of the year than the uh, Dow was. And the S&P 500, very similar. It was down 11% after three weeks, but actually ended the month down over 5.5%. So I guess what I'm really saying is that there is going to be times that there's volatility, and if you were maybe a person who was fearful of this and you sold uh, out and most likely sold uh, after two or three weeks of this negative trading in the markets, you missed that, that immediate bounce back of almost half of what it lost in just one week. So I think people have to be aware that the markets have a tendency, yes, at times to pull back and correct, but boy, they can snap back awful quickly. And if you miss that opportunity, you put yourself in a worse position than if you would have done just nothing. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now, you can be in those positions merely by having a 401k, right, without you know having a Very lot true. of wits about it. Very true. So for those who have 401ks, they're investing in 401ks, they have a much maybe uh, a broader exposure to the market, meaning they've got a diversified portfolio if they've chosen some other 
uh, investment funds that have bonds attached to them as well. So oftentimes, I'm just talking about stocks when I talk about the Dow Jones or the S&P or the NASDAQ. But when you put together a diverse portfolio and you really spread out that risk, then you're not going to see the same amount of volatility. You'll experience volatility, but it won't be as bad. And with your 401k, you're on an investment uh, you know, a strategy of each pay period you're investing into the market. So what you've effectively done is taken advantage of that pullback, and now you've bought into the market during the downturn, and now you're going to take advantage of that bounce back that just occurred over the past week. Gotcha. So it's it's a it's a good strategy that dollar cost averaging. I talk about that a lot on my show, probably even here when we speak. Yeah. But dollar cost averaging really can help you even out and smooth out that you know, the volatility that occurs from time to time. I, I love phrases. I love your phraseology. Can we pick up on that phrase? Well, give it to me again. I want to write it down. Dollar cost. Dollar cost averaging. Can we pick up a little bit on that tomorrow? You betcha. What you mean by dollar cost average. That sounds great, John. Thank you, sir. All right. All right. Securities and advisory services offered to Client One Securities LLC, a member of Finran Syndicate and Investment Advisor, Grand Canyon Planning Associates LLC, and Client One Securities LLC are not affiliated. Go to our website, GrandCanyonPlanning.com. You can request an appointment right there. John Dombrowski, bless you, sir. Godspeed until tomorrow. Thanks. I'm Seth Leibson, 602-508-0960, coming to you live from the Guns Etc. Studios. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 602-508-0960. Delighted that we have the Midas Gold Group as one of our sponsors. As you know, gold has been used as money for nearly 3,000 years, and today it remains a common-sense investment that's simple and straightforward. You don't need a pushy commission salesperson to tell you why you should buy gold. You already want it. All you need is a reputable dealer with advice based on experience and a complete range of bullion and coins so you get what you want at the best value. Enter Midas Gold Group. They're veteran-owned, proud supporters of America First, and this show right here on 960 AM, The Patriot. They're fighting for your right to the financial privacy and freedom that gold offers. Trust the dealer that I, Seb Gorka, and thousands of our listeners know and trust, Midas Gold Group. Check them out in person at 625 West Deer Valley Road in Phoenix or call them at 480-360-3000 or visit them online at MidasGoldGroup.com. That's MidasGoldGroup.com. There's my little candle in Star Valley. Tina, how are you? <laughs> I, I am good. Thank you, Seth. Great to talk to you. The little You're candle who monologue. throws mighty beams is what Shakespeare says in <laughs> Merchant of Venice. That's why I call you Little Candle. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And your opening, um, oh, it was it was transcendently wonderful. Thank I loved you. it <laughs> uh, because it had it had this the, the same righteous anger that I walk around. You know, I want to put my fist through walls a lot, and this is this is not a good thing. You know, my hand can't stand it. My yoga practice can't stand it. What if what the heck? Yeah. So, but what Whoopi Goldberg? I she is acting like a Nazi. I mean, it, she's otherizing, uh, you know, a group of people, and that's what the Nazis did. And the other thing about, you know, when you were reading the quotes from Hitler, I doubt that she's ever read anything. She, I don't know if she reads at all. I don't know if she can read. 
but she certainly hasn't read anything, uh, you know, that she's commenting on. Can I pause you and right on that a, point just because yeah. I want to I kind of get your sense of what the psychology of someone like that is. I tend to believe you. I tend to agree with you, I should say, that she probably isn't well read in this stuff. I mean a lot of people aren't. It's no criticism. A lot of people you know, have better things to do with their time than to read you know, Mein Kampf or you know, about terrible tragedies in history. But if you're going to start comparing America – and American leaders to those terrible leaders of yore and history, you might want to be a little bit literate in what they stood for. But whether you are a little bit literate or not at all literate in it, as she may very well not be literate in this stuff, why would you double down on it? Why would you even – she goes there in the first place. If you see the video, you see the other people around the table. I think there's three other ladies around the table kind of not knowing what to say here. Because this is a unique take. <laughs> and then, yeah. right, she gets probably, I, you know how these things go. She, the show closes. She walks back and her whole staff is probably in meltdown. Whoopee, what did you do? What did you say? You can't let the – so they book her on Stephen Colbert, which is what, seven hours later? And she doubles down right. on it. That's what I don't understand. Ah, it's easy to understand. Okay. It is the need to be right. Ah, Okay. It's it's you know it's like the the it's like the Gordian knot sword. You just cut through it. It's the need to be right, and the most insecure people uh, exhibit that. You know, and and Hitler, for example, I imagine was extremely insecure, and he needed to be right. And people bought into his uh, you know his need to be right, in their need to be right, mm-hmm. and it was this mass hysterical need to be right. That's probably that 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 that's probably it. But she had to know as a woman of stand-up comedy, Hollywood, movies, television, as one of the most famous women in the world. Is that a fair thing to say? She's probably one of them or was at one yeah, point. Yeah. yeah. Like, you have to know you're playing with fire with this stuff. And she, you know, she just she just went in there with the gallons of gasoline and poured it on. And it, it it's an yeah, odd but it thing. doesn't it doesn't matter. The yeah. left is going to cut her. Oh, you know, that's the point. That's, You're that's, right. She knew yeah. she could. It doesn't matter. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Because she's on the right yeah. side of, as they used to say, the right side of history, but on the right side right. of our political equation. Right. Exactly. So they'll get rid of Joe Rogan if they can for, you know, putting out CDC press releases two, two months before they're ready to go out. They'll want to get rid of Joe <laughs> right. Rogan for that, right? But, 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 but for depriving of Hitler the appellation of white supremacist, okay, that 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 that'll be kosher because it's it's you know it's in the service of denouncing the radical right in Mississippi, which is I think what she was trying to do in the first place. Hey, you said kosher. Good for you. Did I? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I meant it ecumenically. I, I, I know. I love it. <laughs> I pay attention. <laughs> yes, you do. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Well, but you know, she she's fine. You know, they can get away with the most outrageous things, the most hurtful things, the most destructive things, things that would lead to de- lead to death and and you know and and mass genocide. And what the heck, right? Well, Doesn't when matter. whoever we nominate for president runs for president, <laughs> and uh, in twenty twenty four, and the left starts saying. 
Hitler, Nazi, fascist. You know what we can say? At least not a white supremacist. Right? You've already told us if you're comparing them to Hitler, Nazism, and fascism, we know that ain't white supremacy, I suppose. And then we can well, see, say, well, what is so, the comparison about? Huh? Yeah. Right. But you're being so rational. You know that that won't fly because they, they flit around from hateful talking point to hateful talking point. None of them need to be connected. It's just got to be hateful. I think um, the most important thing you just said is rational. And the reason that I think that that's an important word here, Tina, is because it was the height of irrationality that led to the worst crimes against humanity throughout human history. It was the fleeing from the rational, right? All the while, while these societies, Germany, Russia, you name it, China, all the while – being irrational, convincing themselves of how rational they were, right? Yes, That's why how, I am so needed, animated and, on right. this. Yeah, no, and and I, I you know, I, I, uh, oh, excuse me, I'll channel Bill Clinton. I feel your pain. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah because I was really animated, and your animation was was very uh, soothing in a sort of uh, exciting way. Because it's right to be animated about this. We should be, you know, this is pitchforks. I mean, well, if you seriously. want to defeat Nazism, you have to defeat that kind of irrational junk thought. That's that's my view. Yeah. That's yeah. my view. You know, just just a, a tiny segue, but yeah. it is related, is the, the, the truckers in oh, yeah. Canada. Mm-hmm. I've seen some clips of, you know, guys who are just the trucker guys talking, and one was in tears uh, because he got this wonderful little note from an 11-year-old. <laughs> and this is the, you know, they are... The animation, you know, which you were you were demonstrating in your in your monologue. Oh, that's you. that's what's got to happen. Thank it's you. It's got to happen. I've said it a million times. I'll say it again. God bless the truckers. God bless them. Maybe we'll play a little George Strait for them coming back. We'll be right back. Brothers of the highway, children of the wind, yes, God bless you, truckers. God bless you. And what is this about Justin Trudeau going into hiding because he's fearful of these truckers? My gosh, have you ever found a more common sense, pacific thinking, conversational group of people in a profession. I know it's easy to put a hit on them if you're in the elites, but if you spent enough time on outside of the trucking industry, let's just say, talk radio, you know how you're dealing with some of the smartest, well-reasoned people this or Canadian country has ever put together. I would say people should be much more afraid of Justin Trudeau than at any given convoy of truckers. You want to know what makes you feel proud and prideful? I, that wrong word, prideful. I, proud. What makes you feel proud? A little bit safe, a little bit patriotic. Does a convoy of truckers not do that for you? Can you think of any? This would be a good question for the show, actually. This would be a good question. Uh, What more than a convoy of truckers 
makes you feel prouder to be American when you see it. You know, on the streets, on anywhere, anywhere. What makes you feel prouder to be an American than something like that? Huh? And he's afraid of them. He's afraid of them. All right. Gifts that keep on giving. I got to share this with you. A lot of you know because I've just talked about it a lot. I'm I'm going through the process of rereading a lot of books that I read probably too casually when they were assigned or when I was younger. Classics from the 40s and 50s and 60s. One of them is – well, I've given you a list of them. But one of them is probably, as you know, just based on monologues, etc., is the novel 1984 by George Orwell. It is a gift that keeps on giving. The more I read, the more I find. How did you, the audience, my gosh, you've let let us go through going into our third year of COVID and no one talked about his use of the word in newspeak face crime, face crime, to where an improper expression on your face is a punishable offense. Face crime is what we who don't believe in the exquisite rituals of maddening worthlessness of masks are engaged in. They're making us guilty of face crimes. Well, stick around, fellow face criminals. We'll get through this together. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.